hail our fair Riverdale. Register. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riverdale Register. My name is Caitlin. Welcome back to the Riverdale Register. My name is John. It's been a long hiatus. It's been four months. We've forgotten all the names of the characters, so we're just going to be referring <laughs> to them by their hair color when they have the same hair color. <laughs> it's going to get confusing. I had forgotten everything. And it's wild because this episode picks up like hours after the last one. And I'm like, what? I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> I know, I know. But you know what, guys? We're here. We're going to unpack it all. We're very excited to do it. It has been quite a whirlwind uh wow yeah <laughs> yeah what how how have you been for the past uh, couple months caitlin what's what's going Oof. on with you now well everything is everything is good in general i mean you know the delta variant is ruining everyone's lives again but uh i'm hopeful <laughs> yeah hoping fingers crossed that things get better um i'm getting married literally tomorrow i am hours away from my rehearsal dinner if you want to call it that which is just going out to dinner with my parents and my fiance Ian's parents. Um, but we're having a very small family and we wedding. Do. <laughs> that is of course a totally normal thing. That that is that is exactly what that is. Yeah. yeah. Rehearsal dinner is like going out with your family the night before the wedding. Right. I guess that is also literally what it is. But yeah, super small wedding. We're excited, but it's been a bit of a shit show. My sister tested positive for COVID. And we had to push back the wedding. Uh, she's fine, but now you guys all know this. And uh, John knows my struggle because I sent him like six paragraphs text being like, it's been a hard week, John. So I'm very excited to be here with all of you who are not here now because we are alone talking to each other and no one else. But that's, I, I, when, <laughs> when we record the podcast, I feel like there's an audience kind of. But it's literally just you. Right, right. So, just just quietly sitting there, nodding along with everything we say. Right, exactly. Exactly. How have you been? Have you been good? Uh, yeah, I've been good. Uh, the fun change with me from last time we were talking to now is that now I'm in a relationship. And I, I only mention this on the podcast because it involves you listeners. Because you might remember an interview we did we don't we, you know we don't get a lot of interviews directly with cast and crew but we did have one back in season one when we talked to our friend amy who is uh, who was an assistant editor on the show and when i started uh, dating my partner she was like oh yeah i know someone who works on riverdale and it turned out to be amy and it was like she's like oh hey and we like now i'm like just friends with amy we just hang <laughs> What a what a weird coincidence though. Like this literally the one small. person. <laughs> the one assistant editor on Riverdale that you know. It's yeah. a weird thing. But yeah. We're we're very right. excited. Right. So. I don't know I don't know many assistant editors, that's for sure. John, what do we do now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is this show? Uh this is Riverdale. Why don't you tell us uh the title of this episode? See, I actually did remember this. I right, just really it's just to it's just part of our format. Is you asking me what we do next? Right, it's sort of like the bumpers. It's like, what do we do? Oh, we do that. Okay, cool. Right. So right. the episode the episode for this week is called Strange Bedfellows, mm -hmm. and it is um, the title of a I believe 1964 rom com. And I thought this rom com sounded super cute. So basically, it's like this wealthy American played by Rock Hudson, um, and 
he marries impulsively like this Italian bohemian woman um, and then they have nothing in common so they break up and then they're like seven seven years later they are going to finalize their divorce but then they like rekindle their romance oh and I just think that sounds really cute it has nothing to do with this episode at all right but I thought it sounded fun if this were more focused on like uh, I, I guess I guess they they it's it's kind of about Betty and Tabitha and and Jessica all being strange bedfellows of Jugheads potentially or Veronica and Archie getting back together but also like that's not the focus of this episode in the slightest. I just thought that Tabitha and Betty were gonna make out and that did yes, not happen. Yes, I have. I, <laughs> so Beth also texted me being like, "I what this show just let me down. What's going on?" I was also expecting them to kiss. <laughs> The chemistry between them, I mean, we will get there. But I was like, oh, that's great. So we just take Jughead out of the equation entirely. Right. We don't need a Jughead. Right. I mean, personally, I right. wanted, I, when Jessica was like, let's all trip together, I was like, yes, please, all three of you, I want that. <laughs> right. But no, we really didn't get that at all. We got actually a lot of complaining from Jughead on the phone, oh which I was God. excited about. But we didn't. Jughead's, Jughead's arc is like... <laughs> Everyone would be like, hey, you should go home. And he'd be like, no, I can't do that. I'm a writer. I honestly would have punched him in the head after I heard that voicemail, like the final voicemail. Like, what? You couldn't have just sent this text like 12 hours ago? Right, right. He's a very selfish boy. Well, we got to get into... Okay, so this episode was directed by Tessa Blake. She did a previous episode, The Locked Room chapter 73 you might remember the locked room as the locked room mystery that doesn't take place in a locked room right where they're like this is a locked room mystery but it is not right right they're they're like it's a locked room mystery because i'm locking you all in this room and solving this mystery but the mystery did not take place in a locked room right right yeah yeah i did like that little arc though with the stonewall preppies so i i I remember it fondly but that was hilarious we missed the preppies they really grew on us. Uh, this episode was written by Aaron Allen, who also wrote The Locked Room. He also wrote Chapter 67, Varsity Blues, which is... I don't really remember this one. Uh, the description on IMDb is... <clears throat> Emotions run high as Riverdale celebrates a monumental spirit week. Jughead considers a pivotal opportunity, and Veronica pursues a new passion. I gotta be honest, Veronica pursues a lot of new passions. She's sticking to the jewel selling, though, this season. So, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, this was when, this was when, this was a football episode where they played football against Stonewall Prep. Oh, and, and he also wrote chapter 49, Firewalk With Me, which is the one where uh, Archie meets that child who tries to murder him. Oh, that was a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- I love that. That was so. That was so good. That was so random. Excellent. That the G and G child who was obsessed with the board <laughs> game and like needed to murder the Red Paladin. So in this episode, we have five storylines, and they are as followed. We got convicts on the loose. Uh, we've got my opal. We've got what are the blossoms doing this week? Uh, girlfriend super team. And where's Jughead? Let's do the opal one first, because hmm, I don't care about that at all. Veronica uh, returns home to Smithers from New York to her redesigned uh, Pembroke set, which looks great. Honestly, it looks fantastic. Uh, Archie should be using that to get him more work. (laughs) Putting it in a catalog or something, yeah. Right, right. And before Smithers, 
can tell her about, uh, you know, the plot, she has to exposit to him about this really big blue opal she has. She's literally like, stop right there, Smithers. Have you seen how big my opal is? It's from Ethiopia. She's really excited about her newfound career path. Um, I'm sure it will last longer than the rum making and the speakeasy owning. I'm sure she's had other careers also that I'm forgetting, but she's a girl boss. She's mm, student? Student. Teacher? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wasn't she a teacher? Is she not doing that anymore? They're all they're all still technically okay, teachers. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, once, once Smithers tells her about the prison break, she goes to see Archie. Uh, uh, and he immediately deduces that Chad didn't sign the divorce papers. She tells him that. Uh, she tells him that she can't tell him what's keeping them from signing the divorce papers for legal reasons. And Archie makes a very grown-up decision and thinks they should just uh, stick to friendship levels until she's divorced, which, great idea, Archie. <laughs> You've had enough men connected to Veronica gunning for you in the past. I just would think that his whole life being on the line with like the Hiram stuff, like, wouldn't you just be like, I'm so tired? Like, maybe it's not worth it. <laughs> right, right. Anytime she's like, you want a date, he's be, he should be thinking, I'm, I don't know. I have a whole life right now. I don't really have time for that. It was healthier for him to be in the military than it was to date her. He was His life was less at risk. <laughs> right. Plus, he's, he's back on his vigilante bullshit. He's got all these prisoners to catch. Later, Veronica is showing someone else her opal. Really, she's all about this opal right now. I think she might be uh, transposing a lot of her issues with her life onto this opal as like, you know, men hurt me, but opals, they're always my friends. It's like, the funniest thing is if you have this like opal that's worth like whatever amount of money, don't you think you should not be showing it to like every single person that you come across and like carrying it around like a tiny baby? Like just seems... Seems like a choice. I don't know. <laughs> there's a there's a, um, uh, there's a frustrating vagueness to a lot of the things in this episode. And I'm going to get into that more when we're talking about the convicts on the loose. But I do think it's it's a little bit frustrating that you never find out exactly how much the opal is worth. It's a lot. Because like, I wish if they had just... Right. Whole lot. I wish they had given us an actual number so that you could be like, oh, yeah, this opal, if she sold it, would be great for this reason because this money could be used to do this thing and instead it's just like i have an opal from ethiopia how much did it cost to even get it there in the first place and how valuable is it it's just a really big blue rock to me that she's very fond of and then the dodgers break into her store and steal all of her stuff and that uh, it's dodger and his mom darla who is I think the same age as him. I'm pretty sure we discovered that last time. Yeah, is she supposed to be his mother? Because she's supposed to be the kid who dies, mom, right? Like, in, I, it doesn't make any sense. But my favorite part about this whole thing was Veronica seeing them and being like, "You're those people from Thanksgiving that one time." <laughs> like, like that's how yeah, we we will. met at Thanksgiving <laughs> seven years ago, but in the bad way. Right, right. I was like, yeah, that's one way to get the audience, like, to, to remember and recall exactly who they are. So I, I just think yeah. that's, like, that had to be, like, a network note or something. Be like, I'm sorry, who are these people again? And then we, oh, Thanksgiving, right, okay. Right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so they, they, they needed someone to remind us. And unfortunately, the reminder came in the line, 
you're those people from Thanksgiving seven years oh, ago. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> they steal her opal and run off. So Reggie goes to, or, yeah, Reggie goes to Veronica. She called him there, uh, and he's like, hey, I'm not helping you clean up your store. But she blames him for the theft of her opal because he worked for her father, and her father blew up the prison, which is, of course, a totally natural way to uh, put this all on Reggie. Yeah. Uh, but Reggie does tell us exactly why he works for Hiram, which is uh, he works for Hiram because of a debt his dad owes. And I like the idea that to clear the debt, uh, Reggie's dad just sold his son to Hiram. Reggie's dad sucks across the board. Reg- yeah, Reggie's dad is the worst. Uh but also, like, Reggie's like, I'm not going to help you find your, op- your opal. And then the next line he says is, but I am going to help you find your opal. <laughs> Reggie, I, I still think that the Reggie-Veronica ship did not get enough screen time because they just are such heightened characters. Like, he is out of some movie. <laughs> she's out of some movie. They should just be together. It's fun. It's very cartoonish. I love it. I think they'd be... I think they'd be a great power couple if they were together because she'd like upgrade his style and all that and he could just be the enforcer for her that clearly life would be easier if Archie just were, but Archie's just always going off on his on his adventures. I think they'd be happy. And I think Hiram would be ecstatic about it. As happy as Hiram can be when he's not ruining the lives of everyone around him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, like, he knows he's not threatened by Reggie. Reggie's not the best boy in Riverdale, so. Aw, I hope that Hiram earns that title soon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, uh, Veronica, later at the docks, which we will get to how there's now docks in Riverdale also. The world keeps expanding. Uh, like there's also like sketch alley which like i know that we kind of heard about it where where is he hiding out in the where's he hiding out in the riverdale dunes you know right Right. the nature preserve okay i guess we have one now cool (laughs) beyond the distillery the swamp there's swamps we got swamps there needs to be like a mountain of some kind i don't know we learned that there were mines that's kind of a new thing there are we got mines and docks not a lot of towns have both veronica uh tells archie about her opal and uh this is like archie and his guys had just captured a bunch of convicts uh and reggie found out from one of them that dodger escaped with the opal veronica says her buyer is getting restless again with that vagueness we don't know who her buyer is and if it if it were like a criminal like a papa poutine type who we already knew we'd be like yeah we got to get that opal back you know she's in danger instead it's just a buyer i'm not that but he's restless so he's very restless it's true like a like a dog uh archie archie gets pretty upset about how about how she's only really focusing on the opal here among all of the you know uh criminals out on the town threatening people yeah, Veronica's selfish. And she's like, please get me my opal. And he's like, whatever. No, he's like, she's like, you're going to do it anyway. Can't you also find the opal? <laughs> right, right. Listen, Archie, you're going to be there stopping the bad guys. If you see my opal, just pick it up. <laughs> oh, man. 
She is so singularly focused all the time, but the singular focus changes episode to episode. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. She doesn't really have arcs so much as uh, objects she covets. Exactly. Like a a dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, is that the twist here? (laughs) Is that the twist? Is that the genre element? Veronica is a dragon. <laughs> I know nothing about dragon lore, but I know they protect gold. And she they owns, love gold. She owns a jewelry store, which has gold jewelry in store, it. Jewelry store, that's right. <laughs> the convicts call Veronica. It's it's uh, Ted, that guy from Men of Honor, <laughs> threw Archie through a sink. But it takes so long for them to actually say his name in the show that for a while I was just calling him Men of Honor because I could not remember his name. That's his name now. It's. I think this is very funny because Ted, Ted has three people hostage. He has the governor of the state of, I assume the state is also Riverdale. Uh, he has the sheriff and he has her dad. And he and the Dodgers and whoever else they want Hiram's palladium and I'm pretty sure this is the first time Veronica's hearing of the palladium which is of course necessary to design all kinds of theme park rides and also sells for high prices right actually palladium <clears throat> is what powers roller coasters famously so yeah 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 palladium is uh the bedrock that Hiram land is built on uh Hiram tells her where they are and how many of them they are and I appreciate the specificity there is three of them and they are in the El Royale. You know, by the way, you know your CW show doesn't have a lot of freedom with locations and budget when the bad guys keep taking over the locations that belong to the good guys. They're like, that's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we already have the set. Just have the bad guy invade that space. It'll be very threatening. Oh, and yeah, that's. It happened a lot in Supergirl when it was on CBS because they like had no money. Uh, they or the show was just too expensive for the money they had. That like by the end of the season, bad guys would just be appearing in her in her apartment all the time. So, yeah, I remember when the when Supergirl was on CBS. It was such a weird fit for that network. It's like happy it, it, it moved. It did not feel right. <laughs> yeah, very odd. Very very weird. Hiram tells Veronica that he doesn't know what the Palladium is, so he lies to her about the Palladium, and then uh, Ted. Is like I'll here's how I'll convince you and he shoots the governor first I can't believe you didn't work up to the governor of the state from a sheriff and her dad shoot her dad in the stomach are you kidding me oh hey, remember when Hiram had a had a life-threatening condition yes I actually recently wrote about that for the dip and the article is like what happened to Hiram's life-threatening condition like like is <laughs> it just, gone <laughs> he cured it by fighting guys in alleys that's some functional medicine for you right there perfect mm-hmm. good something job to remember <laughs> that's what the, who's the who's the like the the crazy radio guy who thinks like the frogs are causing bad stuff um is it alex what's his face um, alex jones jones uh, he's crazy that's the kind of thing alex jones would sell to his audience is like you don't need medicine, you just need to fight people. That's a great Alex Jones impression, I have to say. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, <laughs> I've i studied crazy. God, I hope that's not true, but <laughs> I hope you've listened to none of it. <laughs> uh, Veronica on the phone with, with uh, Ted, he tells her to bring him the palladium. 
And she's like, yeah, 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 the Palladium, whatever. Listen, is my opal there? Oh, you're going to shoot my dad? <laughs> anyway. They're all like, yeah, we have this blue rock. If, is that what you mean? She's like, yes. Anyway, she goes over to the Archie Convicts plotline to, to wrap that stuff off. But later, uh, Veronica gets her opal back and she's celebrating with Archie uh, at Pops. And she's like, well, that was great. Should we have sex? I mean, she doesn't say it in so many words, but she's basically like, uh, Archie, you sure you want to wait? Because I just got my rock back and now I want to get my rocks off. She did not say that. I know it sounds like something that Veronica would say. <laughs> she did not literally say that, however. <laughs> Archie Archie is still good waiting. He's like, no, I'm fine. He's very cool. He's very zen about this. Yeah. It's, this is a very stable Archie episode. And so Veronica decides that she's better got she's got to get her act together. And I think she leaves for New York again. I don't know why she came back to town this episode. You know, last episode, right? Based on the previously on, she tells Archie she has to stay in New York for a while. And then this episode, she's back. And it's like the next day. Yeah, I. She didn't actually stay in New York for a while. Is she going to New York again now? Why wasn't she just not in Riverdale? Was it because it's her jewelry? To deal with her, her Chad jewelry store is in Riverdale, right, or near Riverdale? Yeah, it's in. Remember, it's in the it's in the <laughs> the, the scary bl- the snuff blue velvet. Film video yeah, yeah, store. Yeah. So I guess she had to get this shipment. Yeah, she was like, "This place, this is the place where I can definitely turn this into a respectful, respectable uh, a uh, snuff film store. home." But like, only kids went, and also the principal. It was very <laughs> creepy. <laughs> Weird clientele. Yeah, listen, the principal gets into some weird yeah. shit. Wait, was this Honey or... or uh, this was Weatherby. Honey. Weatherby was the one in the cult. Right. So he also got into weird shit, but different kind of weird shit. <laughs> I, I, I love just talking about all the insane things this show has Well, wow, do I have a podcast where you can do that? So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. When I when I started uh, dating my partner, she asked me she asked me to submit a clip to use as a sound effect for whenever I text her, and I wanted it to be uh, the highs and lows of high school football. <clears throat> Wait, can I have one? Can I make one for myself? For, with with, uh, with I want, I want Fox, a cool yeah, clip. absolutely. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, what what should my you, clip be? I'll you, think you about it. You gotta text her what you want it to be. Uh, she wouldn't allow me to send her the clip because she was worried that anything in it might constitute a spoiler. And I'm literally like racking my brain be like, I don't think this could possibly be a spoiler unless you think the mere sight of boys in matching sweaters on a field with a fence in the background is enough to give away that Archie goes to uh, Juvie at some point in the show. Well, ooh, maybe. Yeah, could be. Yeah, highs dangerous and, stuff. Highs and lows of high school football. I don't know. So I, I, I wound up going with an, uh, with an Avatar quote instead. I went with uh, Aang asking Katara if he'll go penguin sweat. If she'll go penguin, penguin sledding with him. That sounds cute. I have no idea what it means, though. Oh. Oh, you'd like, you'd like him. You'd like Aang as like a protagonist. He's like a fun little kid who's going to save the world. But he just wants to like ride animals and stuff. What uh, what plot should we jump to next? Let's do the convicts one. Let's just wrap up this whole mess. This whole, yes, this whole, this whole thing. Right. They do. They do just wrap up this whole mess. They they deal with all the convicts in in, in one episode. The school is wrecked. They're saying it'll take three weeks to fix everything if Archie can get a crew together. 
Kevin says, count me in, as if there was a chance he wouldn't be. He's like, there's a plot? Let me be in it. <laughs> Do you remember what, um, what, oh my God, not Penelope, what Alice said here? She says, guess it's back to remote learning. But. <laughs> and I have so many questions about that. Well, maybe, maybe they mastered remote learning back during their quarantine that happened entirely off screen. <laughs> right. Yes, that that is a weird that's a weird thing in there somewhere. Or or are they implying that COVID happened during the seven year time jump and they're just past it now in twenty twenty one? Well, so that's the funny thing. It's like some shows really just got so screwy with their timeline. Like the show Grownish. So in Grownish, spoilers for everyone, but basically the Tokyo Olympics happened in 2020 on the show because one of the characters goes to the Olympics. But <sighs> but then it's like spring break of their or no, it's um it's like August before their senior year and they get an alert on mm -hmm. their phones about like COVID happening. <laughs> so it's like oh, it's it got there later. Right. I guess that's what we're doing. So it's just a very weird thing. I got to watch like the rest of the season to see if it plays out at all. But I thought that was hilarious. So that's it. Wow. You know, and they didn't have to. That means all of the shows in the blackish cinematic universe have to acknowledge COVID now. Well, the weirdest thing is they're all connected. They did. Like, blackish did acknowledge COVID. That's what makes it... Right, they did a whole episode, right? They did, like, least, a special episode? Yeah, like, I think, if not more than that. Yeah, I just think that they really did not pick a lane. <laughs> Unless I watch, like, <laughs> Grownish, and I am totally surprised by how they make it perfectly, like, fit together. But I thought that was hilarious. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I wish that we weren't living in this universe where Copen had to be acknowledged at all, but here it is, so... Oh, my God, it's very frustrating. In Evil, they... Um... They're talking about, like, the devil coming to Earth and, like, plagues and stuff. And then one Fun. of the characters watches on the news and they're like, plague in Wuhan, China. And you're like, oh, my God, are they tying that into, like, the whole plot? Uh, but they haven't really gone back to that yet. So I don't know if it's just early 2020 or if it exists in a world where uh, it didn't get that bad. I would much rather that because I definitely do not want it tied into, like, the devil or anything. <laughs> it's already pretty bad <laughs> right, right. here. I don't need... I don't need all these shows to tie COVID into the lore. Right. Please, no. Please, 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 for the love of God, no. Sheriff Keller and Archie interrogate a convict who was arrested robbing Pops. His name is Jeremiah, and he's in the hospital. They ask him, where are all the escapees? And he tells them the most most people are long gone. They got out of Riverdale because this town, I mean, it sucks. It's not even incorporated. A few did stay behind. They ask him how money, and he asks for a lawyer. And Narji hopes he'll be more talkative later. He is never more talkative than this. And I think this gets into my whole uh, beef about vagueness. I wish, I so wish he just had a number. It didn't even need to be a big number. It could have been 12. It could have been 35. But it would have been something where you and the audience could then be like, oh, they got one, they got two, they got three. And you could like track their progress on the show to feel like at the end of the episode, we got them. We got them all. Uh, and instead, it's just, there are some. And then we stop like three guys at the end of the episode. And you're like, I, 
Do we do it? Is that everyone? Or are there do we a couple are there more convicts? Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. It would have also been fun if they had a tally on screen, you know? Like, yeah, montage. Yeah, there could have been a fun formalistic element where you could keep track with them and you could do, like, a whole montage of them just, like, catching guys. And and here, it kind of... I I'm, I'm going to build on this point, too. Because Governor Dooley... Uh, on live TV, he calls Hiram a philanthropist, which is bold. <laughs> a lot of bad people are called philanthropists, though. So, <laughs> fair enough. It's just like Hiram actually did go to jail, and people know it. And it's just that's a. But you know, this is also our first time seeing Governor Dooley, who is often mentioned on this show as just being like the shadiest politician. This is our first time seeing. Like he's him? so in Hiram's pocket. I could have. I sw- think so. I could have sworn we. Saw- Maybe we just heard him. I can't remember. No, this guy, this actor, also looks like the kind of guy who's like in every, uh, every CW TV show. So maybe he is, and maybe that's why we know him. Maybe, maybe we just recognize him. Well, they say they're offering a cash reward for capturing convicts, and Archie plans to take them up on their offer. And I wish they had just said exactly how much per convict. If they had been like ten thousand dollars per convict, or even a thousand dollars per convict. And we knew how much money it would take to fix the school. Then we could have it be like, oh man, each person Archie captures is worth this much. And this is our goal. And this is how we're going to reach our goal. And we're going to accomplish fixing the school because we're paying for it. Because we're defeating Hiram by catching all of his convicts. Because he did this to save face. I, I, that's, that's my pitch. Is that I, if they had been specific about the numbers and how much money each thing was valued at then we could have had, like, a whole, like, satisfaction, satisfying through line of, like, ooh, nice, this is helping the town, the, the town that is so poor right now. And we could have had a thermometer, and they could have filled it in as each, and I would have really enjoyed that. <laughs> right, but it's, but it's all convicts all the way up. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I think that would be very fun. Missed opportunity yeah. there, though. Absolutely. So Archie visits, Archie also is like, I'm going to take them up on their offer, but doesn't go out and capture guys and then bring them in for money. He just goes straight to Hiram and Dooley at the Hiram Land office and is like, can I get a list of uh, skipped convicts? And Hiram hands him a list of names, which is another case of like, they won't tell us exactly how many people are on the loose. And even when Archie asks for a list of names, it literally is just like, here's a list that we don't get to see how long it is. We don't even get to see what names it is. Archie is surprised later when he learns Ted is out there on the loose. Shouldn't Ted's name be on that list? Shouldn't Frank's name be on that list? Shouldn't that be a conflict of interest and something to play into? It's just a vague list of names. These are the guys. Go get them. I totally forgot that this happened. So So that's why I'm quiet. But I'll... (laughs) <laughs> I see that it's very upsetting to you. Though. I can't stop. So I want you to have your this. moment. But I get what you're saying. I, I, it's just like, it feels like they're, they're like, they're so, so close. close though. <laughs> so I mean, close. I will say, I have to say the one thing that I think is hilarious is how much we have to think about Archie's random uncle as a character when I'm like, Oh, right. He has his uncle. <laughs> like, I feel like he's more significant to him right. than I think he should be. You know? Right. I I have never been particularly glad to see Frank Andrews. Uh, but I guess it's nice that Archie loves him so much. Yeah. It's nice that Archie has a friend and a, and a family member to let uh, Fred's legacy live on. But I have never particularly been uh, 
been a fan or really thought that he was super significant on the show. So it really feels like they were watching This Is Us when they introduced uh, Jack's brother, and we're like, Uncle we can do Nikki. that. Oh wait, yeah, we can do Ever- it, Uncle Nicky. And Frank I, is like the Riverdale version of Uncle Nicky, where like his war trauma is like, I was a ultramarine murderer, and I'm on the run from other ultramarine murders. I was gonna say, I mean, Uncle Nicky has a pretty bad, tragic backstory, but I don't think it was, uh, it was sure quite like, like the militia vibes that no, Uncle Frank is I'm, giving and off. And I'm absolutely glad Uncle Nicky was never a war machine, and I'm glad Riverdale never tried to make Frank a PTSD riddled guy let me just like say they, though they, I they chose their lanes correctly it. absolutely i just think it's funny that they're they're very similar solutions to the same problem of dad's dead we need a dad character and but it's like he's not even a it's like he's he never steps up to like hang around he just like is like <laughs> hey Ooh, right, no, I'm in right. trouble. Ooh, I'm in he'll jail. He'll come in. Yeah, yeah. He'll come in to help one thing and then be like, all right, got to go on the run again. Love you, kid. And, like, disappears. And then he'll he'll come back to get into <laughs> a fight and then be like, all right, bye again. He got in one little fight. And, yeah. And his he goes, got yeah, scared. He goes to Bel Air. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Sorry, where were we? <laughs> we were in Hiram's office. After Archie leaves, Dooley wants Hiram's cut of the Palladium. So Dooley's been in on the Palladium gambit all all along. And Hiram's like, listen, it's not about the Palladium, it's about the theme park. And Dooley, Donald, his first name is Donald, clearly on purpose. Uh, Donald Donald Dooley? Dooley. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not in this for the theme park. And Hiram is is hurt. Uh, And Hiram tells Dooley to watch his back. Oh. So Sheriff Keller goes back to Jeremiah's hospital room and finds Darla Dickinson in there. She knocks him down and she steps on his head. And the sound effect used there is sickening. I thought she had like shoved a heel into a, his eye oh or my ear God. or something. Imagine. Uh, he's fine though. He's absolutely unharmed. This actress is just incredible. I love her. She is out of some other TV show. She's like Breaking Bad like like vibes <laughs> she's no not in the but same she's show cool she's like subtle in her movements also, and her mannerisms i like it pretty pretty disappointed that mr strongman sheriff keller got knocked down by a truly a, a, a stick of a meth head looking woman though <laughs> and gets knocked out with like a single blow i'm a little i'm a little disappointed he's looking in like skills. a snack though this whole episode i i had to say it looks great <laughs> looks great of Looks fantastic. She is killing, Darla is killing Jeremiah and taking Sheriff Keller for her boss, who is uh, Ted. Frank Frank does show up to offer Archie and his friends help finding convicts. Uh, Fangs is like, oh, there's some convicts down at the docks. Oh, <laughs> It's the first cool. time they've ever mentioned docks <laughs> in this town. We have docks in Riverdale. So I, I assume it's just on the river, which makes sense no no like, it's, it's by the beach it's that not they like shipping have. docks it would, it would be like personal docks right yeah everyone has a boat you didn't know about that these that guys was... are in like a tiny little uh warehouse on the docks yeah dodger leaves the game to quote drain the game drain the vein 
uh, when Archie and the boys kick the door down and the the convicts all pull out guns and be like, you should have brought guns. And then Reggie appears right behind this guy with a gun pointed at the back of his head. So it's like, all right, I guess that means we win. All the guys put down their guns and they're immediately caught. I like when Reggie's helpful. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Uh, Meanwhile, Hiram calls Dooley and tells him to come visit his Hiramland office. But the camera turns and we see that uh, Ted from Men of Honor is over his shoulder with a, with a with one of those bats with all the nails in it, which is very cool, very very Negan from The Walking Dead. Also, something he does not use once in this episode. He doesn't hit anything with that bat. I have a visceral reaction to seeing those bats because of The Walking Dead mm. scene. I like didn't even really watch The Walking Dead, but for some reason I've seen that Mm-mm. scene. But you heard about it. It was just in the zeitgeist. Like I didn't watch that stuff, but I saw yeah. the the video where like Stephen Yun shows his the prosthetic he's wearing from getting his head bashed in on uh, the show. It's wild stuff. Lucille, that's the name yeah, of the, the bat. Yeah, named Lucille. I think. So Ted. Yeah, after his dead wife. Ted wants the palladium. He's gonna he's gonna get that that money. A lot of talk about palladium. A whole lot of we're really they they were really proud when they settled on that being the thing that Hiram's been after all along. He's like, finally, we have a thing. Now let's talk about it. It's it's weird that his daughter has an opal and like it's a palladium that he's after. It's like they're both after totally things, different, like yeah, so tangible, yeah, yeah. just different MacGuffins entirely. <laughs> Forget your palladium. It's all about opals now, don't you know? Veronica calls Archie and the boys because she had gotten the call from Ted where he shot the governor in the stomach. The governor is fine by the end of this episode, by the way. Uh, But she tells them that Ted and the hostages are at the El Royale. Again, Archie, don't you have a security camera or something that could have told you that ahead of time? I mean, he also just left the El Royale for like seven years untouched, so I don't think he's made like a lot of improvements. It's true. The homeless were living in there for a while. I mean, he, there were like several children living underneath the boxing ring for a while. Archie is not paying attention. I love that Veronica asks the boys to meet her at Hiramland because she believes the Palladium is in the safe at Hiramland. Because well, Hiram's office at Hiramland is where Ted had Hiram with the bat. And he could have just looked around and found that safe or something. But instead he had to take Hiram and two other hostages to a second location to call Hiram's daughter so she could go exactly to where they already were. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you saying criminals are not smart in this universe? Well, I'm just saying it's a good thing Archie still has those tools in the back of his truck. Right, of course. Of course. Right. You got to get a you gotta get a safe out of the wall. How are we going to do that? Well, Archie still has those tools in the back of his truck, so. I feel like it can't be that easy, but... Okay. But that's what I'm saying. It's so vague. There's never... It could have been a whole thing of like, oh, we have to actually figure out how to get this safe out of this wall. They could but have Archie blown it still, up. Archie has some tools in the back of his truck, so the safe is already out. I I think it would have been fun if they, like, blew it up. Like, that would have been a very, like, yeah. comic book could have had vibe. some weird fun in there. Yeah. Missed opportunity there, but that's okay. Well... Uh, Ted answers the phone from Veronica. She tells them they have the Palladium locked in the safe. He tells her to deliver the safe alone. And she knows he'll honor his word because he's a military man, even though his whole premiere episode was about how uh, he doesn't have any honor and he attacks Archie in the bathroom. Right. But Archie has a plan. They can drop in from the skyline he installed like Batman. This was by far my favorite part of this whole thing. 
Oh, how cool. The music cue in this episode when the boys drop in is is great. It's part of Walking in Space, which is originally from Hair. Okay, I told you this. But that's we're like we're like mid montage with the jughead and the, the, the girlfriends and the blossoms plots, uh, when Veronica wheels the safe into the El Royale and she's getting uh, patted down and she's like, Isn't my coat fab? And then at thirty seconds the boys drop in from the move, from the roof, and the music kicks up, and they get a big action sequence scene. Kevin and Fangs share a look, which is the most their storyline has gotten since their sudden breakup. Uh, Veronica gets her foot on her opal. Archie leaps through the air and knocks Ted out with a single punch. It's all very cool. It's all very fun. It is so fun. But I absolutely just loved this whole thing because I just love when anybody drops it from the ceiling. I didn't realize that was something that excited me so much. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, yeah. Whoa. We don't get a lot of people. We don't get a lot of people dropping in from the ceiling anymore. No, we really don't. I feel like I grew up on shows doing that a lot more than they do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, longtime Batman fan, and honestly, Batman doesn't do enough dropping in from the ceiling anymore. And he's a bat. He should be like lurking on the ceiling. To... It's his whole thing. It's his whole thing. It's ridiculous that he doesn't. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God, thank God Archie installed that skyline, I'll tell you. He hasn't installed a single new thing in this place. But he can't keep his gym up and running and uh, up to code, but thank God. Well, how does he have time? He also is the fire department and a teacher. What does he teach again? Oh, football. Uh, army. But, oh, an army class, right, right. Military class. He teaches army Ar- class. Army class, okay, cool. The Rarazzi. The Rarazzi. I, I think you have to, like, you know, roll your R's when you say it. The Razzi. I can't. The Razzi. Perfect. Ideal. I'm not good at rolling R's. Uh, Dooley asks Hiram where the Palladium is at the hospital after everything is said and done. And Hiram's like, I'll never tell. And then he threatens to kill Dooley if Dooley keeps trying. That was the... And that's the end of this arc. <laughs> Ooh, so where are we going next? Mm. Well, what we got is, uh, what are the Blossoms doing this week? The Girlfriend Super Team and Where's Jughead, which is very short. Let's do Blossoms. Okay. So I guess someone in the production offices said the time it's the time is now for the Blossoms to get a new gimmick. We're done with the art thing. It's not fun anymore. We got to do something else. So Penelope calls a family meeting to tell Cheryl and Nana that their new bit is religion. I love it. Just turning the house into a church. I, here's the thing. I love a cult. So this is a very fun thing for me. Yeah. We did cults already. This one's like, who are these sad people who are like, I'm going to go to church at the scary house where the scary woman lives? Also, I assume that Riverdale doesn't get a lot of imports from like other towns. So are these people like townspeople who know? They got to be locals, right? right? They got to be townies. They know all the Blossoms history, obviously. Yeah, they know everything. Yeah, and then they're like, no, no, this is right. I should be here. Yeah, I'm into this. In fact, I'm going to give money to this. It's you question a lot about it, but I think it's so fun. I just love Penelope. <laughs> I I love her. She's probably my favorite parent. Now. I guess I wish I don't know. I thought her performance as Wild Sermon felt like an impression of someone giving a sermon when she's like, "I say to ye," that didn't that felt that felt almost like crossing a line and be like, "I don't think you should be saying that." Okay, that's very valid, very valid. But I do think that 
she would do that, like as a character, be like, I just watched 16 hours of video on it to get to prepare. Because none of this, none of this feels authentic. You know, this all feels like she's trying to get tax exempt status or something. Right. It's it's very much that, which I think is so perfectly Mm -hmm. her and so perfectly like the family. The family is all about appearance and, you know, nothing being authentic underneath you know the maple right the maple syrup right. was heroin which we quickly forgot about because it seemed a little too serious <laughs> and became some other right. drug they were like let's let's get we should get sillier in season two and beyond i actually think it was a good choice because i think that like ugh, i don't i didn't want to see a bunch of people dead of heroin on riverdale i feel like that would be a bummer i guess. i i i hear that i do hear that i we'll never know you know, we'll never know what that show would have been. Would have been a very, very different show. Uh, Cheryl sees her mom performing her sermon. And she asks Penelope in front of everyone who they are praying to. And Penelope's like, we're praying to a son who died for the sins and darkness of this world. And everyone's like, yeah, Jesus. She's like, no, Jason. It's actually pronounced Jason. <laughs> My son. <laughs> oh. He was a sacrifice to lay bare the sins of Riverdale. And then she passes around the collection trays. Ah, I would be like, mm, but your husband murdered him. So right, are right, you right. cool? He wasn't really a sacrifice. It was more, uh, uh, what what is it called when a parent kills a kid? A patricide? Like no, that's, oh yeah, yeah, what is that? Infanticide? That's a baby. Um, I think it might be infanticide. I'm not sure. I don't. Either way, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, filicide. Filicide. Filicide is the deliberate act of a parent killing their own child. Wow, that's a word I wish I never heard. Great. <laughs> mm, now you got it. Now it's in my brain. I'm gonna use it forever. Cheryl calls Penelope shameless for exploiting Jason. Uh, Cheryl says that Penelope proved to her that there is no eternal afterlife. And she talks about there was that one time where she already believed in a cult where she could talk to Jason. Penelope promises Cheryl that there is an afterlife, a place where maple syrup flows in rivers. And Cheryl's like, I'm out. Oh, man. Penelope's such a character, though. She's perfect for this show to me. She is an ideal crazy pants that this show needs. And also I love how she makes Cheryl the straight person in all of this. Like she's so crazy that even Cheryl seems normal. And I appreciate that. See, I feel oppositely because I feel like every time Cheryl gets embroiled with plots with her stupid family, you know, Penelope and Nana and Julian and Jason, whatever, it's all stuff keeping her from being in the storylines with the others the other kids and i always find her weird perspective to be uh something that really that really lightens the mood whenever we are dealing with like the murderers and other crazy stuff that you know archie and betty and jughead are getting are getting involved with on an episode to episode basis and kind of secluding her off in her own little storylines uh, weakens the effect she has on the show. I think that the problem with Cheryl, and I'm sure I've said this many times, but it's that she isn't really naturally a fit to be... She's not with Archie. She's not with Jughead. She's not really friends with Betty or Veronica in a super serious way. So it always feels mm-hmm. like whenever... I mean, she has had plots with like Veronica, and she's had plots with Betty. 
But I feel like they want yeah. they want her character to be a main character and to have like a plots basically or have like, you know, be able to carry um you know, one of the plots that we're like dividing right. it up to now. And it's like either she sits the booth with the other four or she's not in the show. Right. Kind of feels like it's the two options. It's a weird thing because it's like she very rarely ha- like she's very rarely like the A character in a storyline that involves the four other people. Like she's never the one yeah. leading the leading the storyline if it's like her and Archie doing a thing. It's always like Archie's perspective mm-hmm. and then she's sort of like the side character that like adds color. Yeah. I enjoyed I I thought I was going to be really excited when she joined in for uh, Veronica's like maple rum because I I I think her facing off against Hiram is delicious conceptually because uh, she's you know psychotic and and for him it would be like finally a teenager who who thinks like I do she would have been fun to team up with Hiram I would I would love to see her team up with Hiram for sure I just when when it's her versus her mother it's like oh we're just gonna hang out in the Blossom House set for a while away from everybody else. Yeah, very fair. Super fair. I mean, I think that's the problem, right? That she, if you took out all of Cheryl's plot lines, very rarely would it actually matter. Yeah. Uh, like, if she, uh, saving her in the ice at the end of season one was like a huge moment for everybody. And then like, she never becomes a close friend of theirs after that. I still think that Cheryl would have been best served. I mean, I like these plots. Like, I think they're fun to watch. And I just think she's so bananas. I think that she's, like, a great character to follow. But I think she probably would have been better served as somebody who, like, went away to college and came back for, like, to be, like, the sassy coach or something yeah, like that. If it were, like, every time Cheryl reappears, it's, like, a big deal event. Uh, but she's not someone who I need to be checking in with every week. And I think it's just because Madeline Petch is, like, super good and, like, very popular with the fans and popular with me. I love her. But I think that's probably why they're like, let's find a way to keep her around as much as possible. It feels like she's been on the same arc ever since of just coming to terms with Jason's death over and over and over again. Case in point... In the next scene of her story, she goes down to a Chestnut house filled with Jason's skeleton. Like, she still is keeping his body in the house. Yeah. And then sees <laughs> a cardinal fly in, and I guess is implied, like, his that's his spirit? Of course. He's a cardinal, because he has red hair. So. Because they're yeah. red. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's the red bird. It's a red bird, like Jason had red hair. Then Cheryl wears a whole outfit to go to church. I'm talking, it's like a blazer top with no shirt underneath, and the the... the neckline goes all the way down to her she looks amazing and i just want to be her i want to be her so yeah yeah good god if everyone had the body of madeline petch uh (laughs) but now it seems like she's into the whole religion or at least she's into the hair song she sings along with and she drinks from penelope's cup and then she sees trevor steins on stage Still not speaking, Trevor. I'm sorry. We're going to get you those lines one day. I, I really hope he gets SAG points for all of this. I really do. <laughs> I think that... I'm still kind of bummed that Julian didn't turn out to be his chance to get back on screen in the show and, like, have lines. I don't think they're ever going to give him lines, but I do think that if the show ends, he is going to say something in the final episode, and that's going to be, like, a fun thing for everyone. That's what I'm predicting. <laughs> 
I hope it's like you know he bring he's like hugging Cheryl and they're like together again. He's alive or she's dead. Their spirits, whatever. And then just kind of like he's about to say something, and then he just burps. He goes, <clears throat> "I'm so sorry." And that's everything. <laughs> that's, that's all, all we get. Him. But Trevor probably will get a sag, a few sag points towards uh, towards his health insurance. Right. They'll they'll have to pay him so much. <laughs> It'll more. be great. It'll be great for him. And that's the whole blossom plot. Uh, so I guess Cheryl's getting into another cult. You know, religion, cult, really depends on your perspective. So, man. Right. My perspective is My cult. perspective also is cult, yes. All right. Do you want to do the girlfriend super team or Jughead? Let's do girlfriend super team. Betty's staking out the Lost Highway, eating her smart food popcorn, when she gets a call from Tabitha uh, about Jughead being missing. Betty, Betty, Betty isn't that interested. She's telling Tabitha that Jughead will just sometimes disappear on her. Uh, a convict breaks into, uh, Jeremiah the convict breaks into Pops uh, to stick up Tabitha, then gets distracted when Penelope walks in, and then Tabitha knocks him out. I wonder if there was like a cut extension of that scene where like Penelope equates that to her faith or something. Do you remember when Veronica was downstairs and somebody broke in? I forget why. And she, oh, there was like the there was like the um, the the guy who came in as like the family man, and it was actually an escaped convict serial killer. Yes, who she like set a fire trap. But she like didn't know that he was gonna have like like a match or something. But she like had a bunch of alcohol or something right right <laughs> she made like an, a bowl of alcohol to like toss on him i think and didn't know that he was gonna bring fire. right exactly but like i think that it's like she did but like how did she know you know like how did <laughs> oh no she she made it really dark downstairs and the guy was like lighting with his with his lighter yes. which i guess was like all according to right plan. exactly i was like that's a very convenient plan okay <laughs> yeah Imagine if he had just pulled out his phone and turned on the flashlight. Like most normal people would, yeah. Tabitha catches Betty up. Uh, she, tell, she tells Betty how he took some mushrooms, then he made a pass at her, and when she rebuffed him, he called her a Betty. Oh, my fucking Betty God. Betty makes a great face. God, Lily Reinhardt's so good. She hates him. Um, she hates him. She's so done with like, him. She's like, I don't really think Jughead should be our problem, but all right, fine, I'll help, especially after Polly died. Man, I never, I never thought that I would see the day where Betty and Jughead were like so done, but like they're so <laughs> done. Like I was, I shipped it, I did, but now I'm like, man, fuck, Betty hates this guy, <laughs> and and for good reason, I think. I think for good reason. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the the voicemail later is, I mean, this is all. This is probably the best stuff in the whole episode. Betty and Tabitha check out the sex bunker. Uh, Jughead left his phone. Betty wants to read the manuscript looking for leads. But as they read, Betty quickly discovers she does not like this book. It's very, it's very, uh, very psychedelic. And she's not into the Mothman or any of that stuff. I love that Betty's not even trying. Remember when she used to read Jughead's essays and be like, it's so good, Jug. Like, I can't even do her voice anymore. Hold on. Let me see, let me see. This is... It's so good, Jug. I mean, I can't even imagine you writing this. Like, you're my boyfriend, and you're such a talented writer. And now she's like, this is garbage, 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 garbage. <laughs> God, I hate, his, I hate his writing. It's so freeing. She changes the subject. Where did, where, did, where did Jughead get the mushrooms? 
his his New York girlfriend Jess. So Betty unlocks his phone, still the same passcode, uh, and calls Jess. Jessica is ecstatic to have Betty on the line. She's heard so much and has so many questions. And once she hears the situation, including that the manuscript has been written, she offers to come to town and help. I was, you know, I'm very glad that Jessica keeps popping back up in the show. I kind of thought we'd. Never I know see you were afraid. You know, like that blonde girl who threatened Jack in the pilot, who I thought, or in the first episode, who we thought would be around a lot. I thought she was going to come back and Jacket was going to steal her book. You know? Yeah. Uh, I thought she was going to be the focus of his arc this season. Yeah, that was weird. Why did that happen then? I don't know, but I'm glad it's 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 played out differently. Yeah. There has to be some reason they switched directions for that. Not sure why. Mm-hmm. This is when they reveal that the reason Jughead was never in the house when Archie and Betty were hooking up is because he lives in the garage. Convenient. Uh, Jess, Betty, and Tabitha search everywhere and everything for Jug's stashes. That's what Jessica tells them they need to find, at least. They, she asks them to show her anywhere he might be hiding contraband. The next stop is the high school. She searches his classroom and asks where would he have done most of his writing. And that, the answer to that is the sex bunker. So Jess searches the sex bunker. She's like, I can see why he likes it here. Smells terrible. Though. I th- is there uh, a bathroom? I like. I just want to see yeah. the toilet. No <laughs> one's cleaning it. You know, no one's cleaning it. She's looking for the manuscript, and when Betty reveals she has it, Jessica wants to read it. And Betty's like, "Trust me, it's garbage. You don't want it. It's the worst thing he's ever read." It's not even like. It, it's just not even. It's not even like her holding back feelings. She just clearly, it's like the disdain for him is so just like, <laughs> like she finally sees him and she's like exhausted by his presence. And I just think that's amazing. <laughs> Jessica is pretty frantic this whole time. Like you can tell she's after something else because she immediately pivots to a new idea. They should all trip together. They should all take mushrooms. Me personally as a viewer, Yeah. Do it, please. Uh, I understand why Tabitha and Betty as characters are against it, though. Yeah, I feel like Jessica's a loose cannon completely. Not somebody you want to trip with by any means. Mm, Jessica pivots again. Uh, They'll get food at Pops that she's always heard about, even though she, you know, is with the owner who could be like, it's not great. And then she'll leave for New York City again. The 10-minute train ride that she has to go on. It's so so close. close. I'll, I'll, I'll take the 30-minute drive back to New York. Uh, Jessica gets the fries for the others. Uh, they rag. They kind of... This is, this is kind of the bonding moment. I, w- I wanted more of this. They rag on Tabitha for leaving Jughead alone. They rag on Jessica for giving him drugs. They rag on Betty for cheating on him with his best friend. And then Betty plays a voicemail Jughead left for her two years ago where it's... It's pretty brutal, and he calls her a cold, fake, duplicitous bitch. So I'll be honest. Okay, so I was listening to this, and I was like, okay, I feel like if Jughead had said that to Betty, like, the day after she cheated on him, like, he found out the day, you know, I would be like, okay, this is mean, but this is in the moment, you know, everyone says things they don't mean when they're hurt, when somebody cheats on you with your best friend. Your best friend, their best friend, your best friend's boyfriend, 
you know, feelings, feelings get stirred up and people say mean things. But the fact that this is like two years later and she didn't come to your book thing or was running late to your book. It's, it's five years five later. Five years later. Shit. Oh, because it was two years ago. Wow. Yeah. Imagine doing that to like, oh, monster. The implication is that his book is based off of his time in Riverdale. So maybe that's why it's kind of fresher for him than it was for her. But that's psychotic then. So. Yeah. This is Jughead we're talking about. Right, he's about. bad, I think. I think he might be bad. I, I think so, too. Uh, Jessica was living with him then. She said he spiraled into destructive behavior as, like, the stakes of deadlines and everything rose around him. And as she's talking, Tabitha starts tripping. So um, these are the fastest acting uh, mushrooms in the world, I my guess, from everything My favorite I thing was Tabitha was eating the fries, and Tabitha, I guess, maybe she makes the fries, or she at least oversees the people making the fries. Right, right. She knows the recipe that goes in the fries, and she's like, I thought something tasted like, different what? Then you, fries. And you know who you're with? You really couldn't? And you kept <laughs> eating them. I guess the food's that good. I don't know. Very weird. They're just like plain fries, too. If Jessica is like sprinkling dried mushroom flakes over the fries, you'd be like, hey, what are these flakes all over the fries? <laughs> and also, they might not even stay on the fries. Right. I also don't know if those are like like a little sprinkling of mushrooms is usually, you know, from, from what I've heard, is usually what works from what I've heard about yeah. well, and maple I, mushrooms. And you don't need a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, but I but I also don't think it would happen this quickly, like within the first three minutes of eating. No, them. definitely not. But it's a maple mushroom, so we don't know how fast they act. Right, right. They're just like a whole other thing. Um, Jessica feels bad about this because she didn't think she could just ask for the manuscript. She takes the or, or asks asks to trip with them again. She takes them back to the bunker. And tells him that she's scared the manuscript is about something she did. Hmm. Uh, and so they give it to her, and she tells them to ride out the trip together, and it'll be mellow. And then, you know, they play the music from Hair. And that's when Betty and Tabitha trip together, but don't kiss once. They have such good chemistry, it's kind of crazy to me that that wasn't the direction they were going. Like, how much better of a couple would yeah. they be? Right? Like, such a better couple. And as the... As the story about how Tabitha and Betty become friends outside of Jughead, we never we never quite got the scene where they open up to each other. You know, they open up to Jessica, but I, I, I never got the moment where, like, Betty and Tabitha figured out why they're friends on their own terms outside of Jughead. Yeah, that's true. I could use some more friendship moments And maybe them. it could have been during the trip like i like the hair montage truly i think it's one of the better ones they've done on the show and yet i also feel like we've missed a huge opportunity of like you know they say they say a trip is a journey uh truly like going through a lot of stages they last a while and i would have liked to see where all of those stages took these two girls who don't know each other very well but are kind of stuck in this situation with touch with each other truly i wanted all three of the girls, in my pitch would have been that they that while they're drugged up, they read the manuscript together and like kind of make fun of it and stuff. 
to like let out some aggression on Jughead and everything, but also just. I would absolutely have loved that if they just tore his whole manuscript apart, like paragraph by paragraph. (laughs) Make that a whole bottle episode. That's all I want. Right, right. And they're, they're like acting out bits from it and stuff. Yeah. I think that would have been, and you know, giggling and being stupid and high. I think that would have been really, really fun. If anyone ever does that with my writing, I will die. But you know, I want that for Jughead. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but it would be funny for Jughead to come back and have them all have inside jokes that he's not a part of. Also. Yeah, let's alienate Jughead. Yeah, we wanted he, he he's what he wants, but. The next day, Betty and Tabitha wake up, and they're friends now. Tabitha wants to help Betty with the missing girls, and then they get a voicemail that Jughead left for Tabitha. He's taken a murder truck to the city. Maybe he'll die. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I hope so. Yeah, maybe. So let's hear what Jughead's been doing while everybody's been concerned about him. Where's Jughead, you ask? Well, he's doing a homeless in Sketch Alley, and some businessmen beat him up. Yeah... I did not like this. Uh, so Sketch Alley is five minutes from where he was, right? I, I, at this point, I am convinced that Sketch Alley is like literally just next to their stages where they yeah. shoot the show and they can just like have it set up in like five seconds. Yeah, it's like, it's just like a street in town. It's right. walkable. Exactly. For sure. He's so selfish. Yeah, he could walk home at any time. He's so selfish. He's the most selfish person. Tabitha's all nervous. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. But uh, we do get a nice little throwback here, so, which I liked. Yeah. Uh, a devastatingly, ruggedly handsome homeless man nurses Jughead back to health. This guy's got a voice that, 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 that comes at a deep register where you're like, this guy's got some Ron Swanson energy. You know, he can do anything. He's a very charming man. And it turns out his name is Doc, the guy who Jughead, we assumed, watched get beaten to death right. as a Right, kid. We thought that he was dead. Apparently he didn't. And when he asked Jughead his name, Jughead gives him a fake name. Of course, he wouldn't recognize Jughead. Jughead's not wearing that stupid hat. Instead, he's wearing the best Superman sweater I've seen in a long time. Caitlin, I want that sweater. I don't remember what it looked like, but I will Google it later, and I will see. It's like this. It's like this sweater with like a big Superman okay. in the middle, obviously, right. and then like red and yellow kind of like stripes, like one just one red and one yellow stripe on the arms, like around the bicep on each. I side. hate to tell you how much it probably costs because when I looked up how much Betty's sweater cost on the show, it was like mm. seven hundred dollars. And it was all sold out. But I will Google it for you, and I will see if I can find you one. But probably... Jughead uh, passes out. Doc told him he was going to have a friend come with antibiotics, whatever. Uh, he wakes up to breaking glass and finds Doc being attacked by a rogue businessman outside. How? These businessmen, they just wander Sketch Alley looking for homeless people to feed How up. many people are doing this? Is it the same man? I, like, did not recognize him. I, I think it's the same I homeless guy. I was like, guy. why are they doing this? This is so mean. Also, what businesses is he the working gets- at? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, what does this guy do for a living? It's very weird, but... Uh, Jughead sees Jughead gets a second chance, and he um, he saves Doc, and then immediately passes out. 
And then, like, the next day, Jughead wakes up, and he's feeling much better, and Doc, like, hi, I remember you, we're good, forgiven. And he's like, you can, you know, you can go home now, because you're a fully able adult with a house, not like everyone else in Sketch Alley. Jughead says he can't go home, not until he's unearthed the source of his trauma. This is such a selfish... He does promise he'll come back... And so it's the it's worst. It's awful. Uh, he does say he'll come back to see Doc, which is, I'm sure, a lie. Oh, it's not, yeah. It's like even, why, are you, why do you feel you have to hitchhike to the city when you could for sure call any of the people who care and love you to, like, give you a ride? Veronica's headed back that way already. You could have gotten a ride with her. I would love to see an episode where they're just on a train together. Are you kidding me? I, I just, I literally, the city has to be, like, 45 minutes away. Like, it's, it's just, <laughs> the whole thing is ridiculous. Jughead sucks so much in this episode. <laughs> He's so selfish. The women in his life put up with so much. I, I, oh, man, Doc, do not waste your breath. Let him go <laughs> next time. He did not give a fuck about you the first time, so I think you're, you're mm. good. You're good. <laughs> but he gets maybe murdered, which I feel like is an important, an important uh, ending. He goes on the, the murder truck. Yeah, he's getting picked up by the murder truck, so he's probably not making it to New York at all. Do you think it's possible? So I don't know if you've seen it. I don't want to... Well, you know what? We'll get into that with a rumor mill. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the end of the episode, so we should go into... Um... Let's just do Citizen of the Week, you know? Let's... Who is your Citizen of the Week? You know, I think Archie. You know, he's, he's keeping it together... He's he's doing the things. He's fighting off the convicts. I like that. I'm happy about that. Yeah. 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 I he's agree. a nice boy. I- oh, I remember. I remember the other one. It's who. It's it's like a who got the best looking after the time jump. Oh, like just in this episode. Right. Right. Who had a, who had a, who had a glow Uh-oh. up? Uh, who who glowed up the best this episode? Sheriff Keller, you know? by far. Sheriff Keller. Oh, I was going to say Cheryl. Well, she always looks great. She doesn't need a glow up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know what? Here's one. Uh, I think uh, I think um, Jason looks great. He does. As a godly uh, visage. More than as a skeleton. I thought he really jumped up from skeleton to um, holy My image. favorite one is really when he quickly. was the bird. So... <laughs> <laughs> He's had he served so many looks this yeah, episode. Yeah, true, it was very incredible. true. Real fashionista there. All right, all right. Let's get into the rumor mill. What are you thinking about? So there was a couple of this is a spoiler, but there's been a lot of photos of the cast in like black, looking like they're going to a funeral. Do you think Jughead could actually mm-hmm. die? I mean, haven't we been down this road before? I I I. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think they're gonna kill off Jughead. I know we're always like, does Cole even like being here? But I don't think they're gonna kill off Jughead. I know. The, the other thing is, apparently, he's like not in any of the photos from like down the line. I I cannot imagine he's actually dying. I really don't think he is. But like, I also hope that they're gonna, they're not gonna like fake it, you know? Again, because they did that before. Uh, so I don't know. And then my other rumor mill was, do you think that the person driving the truck is somebody that we know? Because uh, I have a theory it could be. Yeah, I think it's What's-His-Face who makes the Mothman statues in the woods. Oh, yeah. I think he's the guy. Yeah, that would make sense. I was thinking that it could also be Mr. Honey if we're just going to 
go totally balls to the wall here because he was like oh my god him as like if he if if he got out of a truck and was like now like disheveled looking scary stepdad mode like yeah i'd be kind of oh yeah kind of changes our own storyline about him like going (laughs) off to his boyfriend or whatever but right right exactly living a happy nice healthy life but I think that I think that would yeah. be fun because I love it when it's like you think somebody you think somebody's bad and then they're good and then you're like oh comforted by that and then they become evil again mm-hmm. kind of like a scream situation yeah. like where you think Billy is good because oh do you like scream I, I do have you heard of it it's really good so uh, in an upcoming episode of NCIS this actor Jason Wiles is going to be in Ooh. it and he was yes. in screen the tv series as the sheriff dad of was kieran yeah his name, I think. uh hot brooding guy uh, right uh, the hot guy yeah. yeah the hot brooding guy uh and i you'll remember at the end of season one he has a truly horrific death yes like where he's like pinned to a tree or something with his guts coming out yeah anyway i i get a chance to see him at work and i'm just like hi i just want to say amazing death in in screen the tv series I, and he's like thanks i've had a lot of deaths i thought that was a pretty good one though pretty gruesome that's so cute i love that i love when like you talk to an actor about like a role that like most people would have absolutely no idea about but it's like hey that gets them the most excited exactly i would think you know that. the people who uh shatner william shatner always loves people who would ask him about tj hooker more than captain kirk i don't know what that he's means like, hey, let me drive the car I, tj hooker was a cop he played ah uh, on tv for a couple years that's cute good for him yeah. he seems like a nice man yeah i ran into uh an older actor at work who turned out to be uh mr chopsaw from ned's declassified <gasps> school survival oh that's Guide. so cool yeah he was the woodshop teacher and so i got to be like I lo- as a kid i loved you Aww. and you gave moe's permission to wear what made herself comfortable over what was stylish you gave me permission to wear what was comfortable for what was stylish i really 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 hope that that happened because it's adorable um i didn't i didn't say those oh man i I should you should have but it was very much like a like a thank you very much strong handshake kind of thing i love that i love that but yes who did i do that with recently oh i told alicia silverstone that her character on brace face um was one of the reasons i became a vegetarian yeah that was nice yeah, that's that's uh, what character did she play on Brace? She Face? played Brace Face. She mean? No, no, no. She was the oh, she was Brace she was Face. Brace Face. Yeah, she was a vegetarian, and so she, um, I mean, Alicia is a vegan, <laughs> but Sharon in that episode, all of her friends go to work at a um, like a meat packing plant, which I thought was a weird after school job, but then she sees what actually happens in the meat packing plant, and she's like, "Fuck no." Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to say that her role as Brace, Brace Face made you confident to have psychic powers with your braces. Yeah, I mean, never so right? lucky. Right, the braces let her read minds? That's no, what they did? No, it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was like they, um, they like fucked up a lot of stuff for her. It wasn't psychic. It was like... It was like magnetic. Yeah. They, were, they were like electrical powered or something. It was like she would... Something would happen... Like, like she would pick up radio signals, I think sometimes, and yeah, and they were magnetic. Or like she would like hear people's phone calls. Yes, and stuff. exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like that kind of a thing. But it really was mostly just about a girl who had braces, and her parents were divorced, and she was a vegetarian. I really liked it. I actually really want to find it now and watch it all because I thought it was great. That's all. 
I have a new I have a new segment. I okay, what is it? Because so I don't know about you, but I tend to watch Riverdale on the CW. App okay, <laughs> no, but okay. <laughs> and, and the commercials on the CW app are usually uniquely weird, a little bit off, and then there's always ads for shows on CW Seed. And for anyone who knows, CW Seed is kind of like the last stop for weird genre shows that can't find a home anywhere else. Yes. Uh, the 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 shows that are on CW Seed are just fascinating. And so I was just, I want to do like a, as seen on CW Seed based on some of the shows that have like these 30 second ads that pop up. And the 30 second ads are always like, I don't know, I don't know who's editing these, but it's like they're, they're always very curious choices of how to edit down a show. So there's two that I've been seeing a lot of recently. And I've been seeing uh, commercials for Ravenswood and Rush Hour, the TV show. So Ravenswood, I actually recapped because that's the Pretty Little Liars spinoff. So it's mm-hmm. syndicated now in the CW app, which is weird because it was originally on Freeform. I love Ravenswood. That's, that's such a fun, ridiculous, insane show. Have not heard of the other so one. So Ravenswood is the is the Pretty Little Liar spinoff in a nearby town where magic exists. Correct. Yes, it's yes. They had a backdoor pilot within PLL, and then Caleb from PLL went to Ravenswood, where he met a girl who promptly died, became a ghost friend of his, but like their ancestors were in love. Right. It was they had the same haircut. It was weird. There are exactly ten episodes of Ravenswood. They're all on the CW app. It has uh, Michael from Jane the Virgin in it as well, I'm seeing here. Yeah, he was good on it. Um, but he was he never felt like a teenager to me. I don't know. No, he looks like a full grown yeah, adult. Yeah, always. He was also on the LA complex. And this was a this is an ABC Family or Freeform series. Uh, I think it was before Yeah, Freeform. I think you're right. It was ABC Family. It was. And then there is uh, Rush Hour, where the ads are all it's like this one bit where they shove a guy in the trunk of a car and then the guy who isn't Chris Tucker starts singing a song about his, how this guy is in their trunk. And I don't know who the guy is playing the Jackie Chan role. There are 13 episodes of this show just on CW Seed. CW Seed has no commercials. You could watch it all any day if you wanted to. And I don't think anyone is because it's on CW Seed. This was the same year they made the Lethal Weapon TV show. Oh. They also made a Rush Hour TV show. And I and and for me, I was like, oh, Rush Hour's the better idea for a TV show than Lethal Weapon. But Lethal Weapon lasted like 3 or 4 seasons. Uh and even though like with all the casting shakeups and stuff, whereas Rush Hour was like one season then got killed. Was it on like CBS or something and then it moved to CWC? It was on CBS. Yeah, in 2016. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, I probably won't watch it, but Ravenswood will definitely rewatch. <laughs> for sure 100 percent. cwc we're we're that both of those things are together on the catalog but they're both very canceled uh and that's the, that's it's it's the strangest streaming service can i give so for what i'm watching now once we move into that i'm gonna give it oh i'm yeah. gonna give an example of so i'm actually watching rewatching 90210 on the CWC. So I don't I don't love watching things on the CWC because there are commercials, at least for 90210, 
But, man, if you guys mm-hmm. haven't watched it, I feel like that is like the unsung, fun teen drama that was on the CW. It lasted for five seasons. Five seasons. Oh, the new 90210. But not, the, not yeah, the new. Yeah. Five seasons? Not the newest 90210, but the, oh. the reboot no, well, of it. <laughs> right. The, the <laughs> That's right, because they rebooted 90210. Yeah. The 90210 that was about teens that they did on the CW. Exactly. It's just so enjoyable. It's such a fun... I just love the characters. I love, like, I think, honestly, I think it's even more fun than Gossip Girl some of the time. I can't really explain why it's good because it's probably not, quote, unquote, good in the way that, like, people would, like, classify it. But it's so juicy and just fun. And the characters are really, like, enjoyable. And they get into all the shenanigans. Everyone's stealing each other's boyfriends. Everyone's doing drugs and going to rehab. There's a pregnant girl. It's kind of like Degrassi meets Gossip Girl. And it's just really fun. Wait, what are you watching? The thing I'm excited about is the fourth and final uh, Evangelion movie. It's an anime coming out onto uh, Amazon Prime fr- uh, the Friday the 13th. So day of recording this would have been yesterday. So there's this giant robot show from the 90s called Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is like one of the one of the like holy grail anime series that people talk about all the time. It's like this philosophically dense giant monster fighting show that is uh, marketed in Japan with everything. Like it's very weird that it's like this philosophical thing that's sold and marketed like Star Wars over there. Well, they'll like they'll sell anything with like the colors of the giant robots. And the show has, like, dense and everything, and that's all on Netflix now, streamable. Uh, But the creator came back to, like, remake the series as four movies. And the, the first one came out when I was in high school, and the second one came out when I was in college... Uh, and they started diverging more and more storyline-wise from the original one. The third one came out, I think, after graduation. But the fourth one, it's now going to be, like, ten years to finally finish this thing. He went off to, like, make a Godzilla right in the middle and, like, all this stuff. And I'm just... It's it's now, like, a whole different story, but it's also, like, his final thoughts on the franchise. He started back in the 90s, and it's available to stream on Amazon Prime with the other three uh, rebuild of Evangelion movies... I am excited. Let's just talk about the difference between your recommendation and mine. Like, yours was very thoughtful, and mine was like, oh my god, nine to one hours, like, so fun. Sorry, guys. I have a, I have a bit of a, a melted brain this week, but that sounds really interesting. Yeah. Come on, you, <laughs> we're doing different stuff for different stuff. You need some feel good. I totally get it. Also, this is why the show works, is because we're not going for the same things every day. That's true. If you guys want a little bit of Anna Lynn McCord and Shanae Grimes... Playing uh, frenemies when they were actually frenemies off camera too. They have a new podcast called Unzipped where they unpack all their 90210 feuds. Um, yeah, mm. that's my thing. And John's thing is a philosophically deep anime, and they're different, but they also can be friends. I mean, <laughs> listen, it's still it's still giant robots and monsters punching each other in cities. I, I'm a simple person. I mean, and that's pretty similar to 90210. You know, they're just Yeah, rich. that's what I think, too. Right. It really right. is the 90210 of anime <laughs> is really what's important here. Sub-rich You know, it's teams. also a reboot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> look at that. See, we're all more similar than we are different. We're so, we're, we're so similar. <laughs> Amazing. Well, John, I have to go to my rehearsal dinner, so... 
Oh, what? Tell me, tell me where they can find you. You can find me on at your rehearsal dinner. At my rehearsal dinner. Please don't. That'd be terrifying. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Riley Tweets. R E I L L Y Tweets. That's the only social media that I'm currently on. And you can find us on Instagram at the Riverdale Register Podcast. But also, I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to plug this really quick, guys. Unless you really truly hate the sound of my voice, which I know some of you probably do. Um, my friend Monica and I, I, know I have do. another. Thank you, John. My friend Monica and I have a new <laughs> podcast called Scaredy Chat, uh, and I would love it if you guys check that out. If you don't hate me, yeah, no, it's great. Monica's the best. Thank too. you, Monica is the best, and uh, we talk about childhood fears, so it's a little different, but also very similar. So, <laughs> who's a uh, who? Who's a who's a recent guest you had? Ooh, I think the most recent. One was Maggie Mayfish, who is a hilarious, like, internet content creator, YouTuber. Yeah. She's amazing. I watched her. um, She did a series on um, Zack Snyder. Oh. That was really good. Yeah, she's great. Uh, She's she's formerly of Cracked. As a a just random side note, she's a friend of mine's college, freshman year college roommate, uh, which is not how I know her. Monica was the one who, who worked with her before, but just a weird coincidence. Well, you can find me... Uh, on not on Twitter, still not on Twitter. Still feeling great about that choice. Uh, you can find me on my blog, Catcher in the Rye. Uh, Rye is spelled W R Y. Great pun. I guess those things when I update that does tweet to Twitter. Uh, anyway, I, I I wrote a piece about how you should be watching Evil. Truly, everyone should be watching uh, Evil, just just to just to see Michael Coulter wearing sweaters. Well, that sounds lovely. Moi. Uh, I, I love it. Beautiful. Now you said you're you're because of because of the COVID, uh, you're not going to be back for next week's either. But we will soon be recording in the same room again. Yes, eventually. Fingers crossed. So <laughs> no, we will. We'll we'll have to figure it out. But probably not next week, just because. But yeah, we'll we'll make it work. Uh, love you. Good luck with your wedding. Thank you very much, John. We appreciate it. Ian is now. He was pressed against the glass, so I think I should go. Oh. Let me out. Yeah, basically. Over and out, River Vixens.